All right, are you all ready for the Bible this morning? All right, I want to read to you out of 1 Peter chapter 2, and then I'm going to go later on to John chapter 13. Um, I've got a couple scriptures in the midst there, but that's really where we're going to land is John chapter 13. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we just open up our hearts. God, it's so good to be here. It's so good to worship. It's so good uh, to be in your presence and glorify you. We thank you. Lord, speak to each of us. Thank you for your word. I pray for the empowerment, the leading of your spirit to share what's in your heart. And that, Lord, that your words, your word, let it be life to us. Let it stick and transform and work in us. We trust you. We trust your words. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to start a new series this morning. Um, It's called Before I Go. And... um, the, the concept of it is in the book of John, uh, there's a series of chapters where Jesus talks to his disciples before he goes to the cross. And it's kind of a big lead up. As a matter of fact, chapters 13 through 17, I believe it is, are all lead up to the cross. And then 18 through 21 are the cross and the resurrection. But 13 through 17, that's a lot of chapters dedicated to, hey, before I go. And I actually preached a message a couple weeks ago where I talked to you about uh, this idea of abiding. And that was out of John chapter 15, that we can do nothing apart from Christ. And we need to abide in Christ. And so uh, we're continuing on this the same concept of before Jesus went, what was it that he said to his disciples? Because it's like a real emphasis there, right? He's got this knowledge that he's leaving. And so he's, uh, I want to share with you what those kinds of things. And um, a little setup to these scriptures. I'm going to build up to John chapter 13 today. And the way that I want to do that is I, I want to talk to you about Jesus in his own understanding of himself as he grew up for a moment. You know, we know that Jesus is fully God. Amen. We know that Jesus is fully man. Amen. And uh, we know that he came to earth as a child. And when he came to earth as a child, like um, he really was a child. He laid his God powers aside to take on humanity. Wasn't any less God. But, you know, he wasn't the miracle working baby. You know, like mama didn't put him in the tub and he's floating on top of it. Right. There was a real humanity about Jesus. And in that humanity, there was this process of him discovering who he was and understanding his own identity and understanding his purpose in life, um, and which was to lay his life down and to give his life for the sins on the cross. Can you imagine going through your life and then realizing my life's purpose is to die on a cross for the sins of humanity? 
What an amazing thing to come to understand. We see this kind of this process of, if you will, revelation. Uh, one place we see it is in Luke chapter 2, where in Luke chapter 2, uh, Jesus' family had gone to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And uh, when they left, they left Jesus behind. It's the classic story of we left our child, right? And so they go back and they're looking for him and they find him in the temple courts. And this is what it says. It, Jesus replies to them when they find him. Why are you searching for me? He said, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. And so in this place, we see Jesus. He's 12 years old and he's got this kind of this is my father's house. And he's in there and he's interacting at a level and a degree that would be even greater than someone his own age, if you will, uh, discoursing with the teachers of the law, asking questions. And we see this revelation. If you jump forward, and that's what scripture does, it jumps forward to when Jesus is 30 years old. By this time, he's beginning to gather his disciples around him. And he goes to a wedding with his disciples in John chapter 2. And while he's there, they run out of wine. And what does Mama do? Mama looks to Jesus, and this is what it says. On the third day of the wedding that took place in Canaan and Galilee, Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus' and his disciples had been there, had been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus said, Jesus' mother, excuse me, said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to, the, to his servants, Do whatever he tells you. Of course, by this time, Jesus has got his disciples with him. So he knows I'm going to go teach and preach and do miracles, but he hasn't started doing them yet. Right. And so he looks at his mom and is like, my hour has not yet come, which when you look through the book of John, this concept of my hour comes up over and over and over again. And later on, we're going to see that his hour, if you will, his time is really the cross because that's going to be the big deal. Right. And but his mom is like, you know what? I I don't care. I'm your mama. Just do what he says. (laughs) And Jesus's ministry begins in that place. So by this time, he knows his ministry. He understands what he's going to do. You jump forward three years and we're at the end of Jesus's life now. And at the end of Jesus's life, we're in John chapter 13, where he's having the Last Supper. And so we know he he is within hours of giving his life up for everyone. Right. And. There's a reason why I'm painting this picture of his own revelation, because as I read John chapter 13, uh, starting in verse one, you're going to hear where it says that Jesus knew it's like Jesus understood this revelation was in his heart and mind. And this is what it says in verse one. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave. This world and go to the father, having loved his own as who were in the world. He loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his feet, and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He knew that the time had come for him to leave. He knew that he was headed for the cross. 
He knew the Father had put all things under his power. He knew that he had come from God and he knew that he was returning there. He knew who he was. He knew where he was from and he knew where he was going. You know, knowing who you are in Christ, the value of that cannot be understated. You see, even in Jesus, in his humanity, this coming to understand who he was and what his purpose is. And, you know, as as a believer, you come to places in your life where God wants to share with you. He wants you to see who, timing it with your sneeze, who you are. We just have to be in sync and everything. Who you are in Christ. And you know, part of who you are is knowing who you're not. That you are not defined by your past. That you are not defined by your mistakes. Can I hear an amen? You are not defined by your family of origin. You're not defined by how others may want to pigeonhole you. Words that they have used or characterizations that they have used or maybe even they didn't even try to prophesy, but they were actually trying to speak over your future and who you were. But they didn't have the authority or the right to do that because it wasn't the word of the Lord and it isn't what God says. Amen. We're not defined by others. When we come to Jesus, we are defined by who he says we are. Now, this morning, I'm saying these words, but my prayer for you is that as I'm saying these words, that in your own heart, in your own mind, that there'll be kind of an opening up and a receiving of what does God say about me? If you've ever, you know, worked with a child when they were in an insecure place and you're looking at them and you're saying, listen, listen. I know who you are, and I know what you're made of, and I know what's inside of there, and I believe in you. We can say that, but it doesn't mean that they receive that. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I want you to back that up and look at, that's how the Lord sometimes looks at us. He says, these are the things that I say, we get these from his words, we're not just making up self-help stuff. Right. These are his words about his kids. And so then we go, okay, what does it mean to take him at his word? That's why I love the scripture that we opened up with this morning in 1 Peter 2. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, when you have turned your life over to Jesus, you take on a new identity. It's one of the reasons why we call it a new life. This new identity. But you have to take it on. It can be true, but you not take it on. Right? You have to to even get used to it. Kind of Grow into it and own it. It's like it's like when you get a, a license or a membership to something that maybe you didn't have before. I, I like going to our YMCA here in Goochland. Um, 
been going there a long time. Some of you are like, really? Yes, I've been going there a long time. Stop that. Me and the wire tight. But you know, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting when you go to a place like that. The very first time, you can have a membership that you pay for and you're supposed to be there. You have every right to be there. And yet it feels awkward to you. Because it's not grown on you yet. And so you're a, you're a member, but you don't feel like a member. You know what I'm talking about? You got to kind of let it grow on you and kind of get used to it. And when I was going to school in, um, in, in uh, Oklahoma and I would go, go there for a class for a week, I would go and I would go to the other Y's in, in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I remember I'd go to some of these inner city Y's that were massive and loud and there's just people everywhere. And I'm like, oh, this, this is my wives. Yeah, Google it for a It is just so nice there, you know. And I'm in the pool trying to do laps and it's like you're in, you know, the middle of the ocean because there's so many people in the pool swimming. And I'm like, there's not supposed to be these many people in a pool. <laughs> And so it was, you know, but to them, they're familiar with it. They own it. It's their home. And, you know, your identity in Christ is something that you need to take upon you and allow it to grow on you. And allow it to be an increasing revelation. And the reason I share these scriptures for you about Jesus when he's 12 and Jesus when he's 30 and Jesus at the end of his ministry is there these places where you can see Jesus' understanding of himself and his call and his own identity. This increasing revelation. And that's what we need today. As a matter of fact, as you're hearing this morning, what you should not say is, I know. Actually, what you should say is, I need to know it more. I need to understand it more. I need it to go deeper. I need it to do its work inside of me. I need to know and believe I am a son or daughter of the Most High God. I'm a chosen people. I'm a royal priesthood. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Royalty and priesthood. A holy nation, meaning that you are set apart. I'm, this is what the scripture is, that you are God's special possession. For some of you, that works against your, but that doesn't sound fair. Don't worry. Everyone who believes and follows Jesus is his special possession. It's not about arrogance. It's about who he's made you. That there isn't second and third and fourth row Christians and people who, well, they're, you know, this is his special person. And, you know, God answers all of Brenda's prayers, but he doesn't answer someone's of his prayers. And, yeah, you know, Brenda, 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 you know, like, it doesn't work like that. I want you to know God loves you just as much as Brenda. He really does. She would tell you that. But for each of us, I'm thinking about Brenda because I listened to the awesome message she preached a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and I, I listened to it just yesterday and I was just like, man, that was a good word. If you missed it, I encourage you to catch that on the, the, uh, the podcast. Now, again, in, in John chapter 13, it's apparent to Jesus that he knows who he is. He knows where he's from. He knows where he's going. And this is the thing that blows me away. It's like all this buildup. He knew 
She knew. She knew. And then in verse 4, it says, so. Now, when I'm reading the Bible, for me, it's like a flip. So? So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Do you want to know what awkward is? That was awkward. (laughs) They're looking around and they're like, what are you doing, Jesus? What are you doing? You're you're our teacher. You're our hero. We've seen you raise Lazarus from the dead. We've seen you do these amazing things. Someone else can do this job. And Jesus stands up and he takes this role of a servant. He goes around and he just starts washing their feet. Peter is so baffled by it. He says what everyone else is thinking. Don't. No, 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 no. And Jesus looks at him and he says, if you don't let me do this, you have nothing to do with me. Peter's like, okay, then wash all of me. Jesus is like, now that's weird. (laughs) Now, he took it much more seriously. He goes, no, he was already been cleaning it up. He he handled it very graciously. Very graciously. But all of this awareness of who he is, all this awareness of his purpose and what he's going to do. Now, now, now don't, don't forget, he's about to go to the cross. He is about to serve them. He's about to give his life for them. Like there's no greater service that he can give them than what he's just about to do. He's he's eating a meal and saying, this is my body and this is my blood. Y'all, it's not that Jesus hasn't done enough. It's that he's taking this moment to teach this lesson and say, listen, he need to serve. And in verse 12, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to the place. And he said to his place and he says, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example for you. You should do as I have done. Very truly, no servant is greater than his master, nor the messenger greater than the one who sent them. Now that you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. He's he's leveraging this moment so precisely, right before he goes to the cross. And he's, he's in this moment said, I have set an example for you so that you will go and do this thing. And he's saying, before I go, I need you to remember to serve. And no, no student is greater than the teacher. And if your teacher in this moment in time, in this moment of history, can get up from the table right before he's going to go to the cross and, and wash your feet, none of you are greater than this. And he's saying, you will be blessed if you do this likewise. You see, there is this thing that God is, is doing in our lives. He has is, he is made you somebody. 
He's making you somebody. I, I don't mean that in the terms of the world, but I mean that in the sense of from the kingdom of God. He's, he has made you an heir. He's made you a royal priesthood. He's made you his child. And he's trying to encourage you to grow up in that and to own it and experience it. And i got to tell you, when, when you take that on, you feel invincible because you're like, if God is for me, who can be against me? I've got this great father and I'm his child and he's mine and I'm his. And there's this excitement and this joy. You know, in our flesh, we can take that to the point where we can then get, I'm pretty amazing. <laughs> get right there. Yeah, I'm pretty cool. <laughs> Do you see how that can happen? Yeah. In a moment. And you see, Jesus is setting up these disciples. Because they're about to go through this emotional roller coaster. But when it's all said and done and Jesus is in heaven, guess who's going to be standing there? 11 of the 12. Oh, we need a 12. They're going to you know, be standing there and they're going to say, okay, here we are. And people are going to look, at, look to these 12 and say, you walked with Jesus. Tell us what you saw. Tell us what you experienced. Their, their stock is about to go way, 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 way up. And Jesus is looking at them. And in the knowledge of who he is and the knowledge of why he's there and the knowledge of everything that he's come to do, he takes that moment to say, you need to serve. Lay your life down. Give your life up. I've made you somebody so you can pour your life out for everybody. God is so, so smart. The way that he does things. And the thing is, is there's this pendulum in your own life. Y'all, he really wants to build up in a godly way how you understand yourself. I believe that God wants to destroy insecurities and fears that live inside of us. I think he just wants to rip them out like a cancer and just take them out and say, there's no reason for you to be insecure because you're secure in him. He's given us the Holy Spirit, the seal of sonship that we can know that we are his children. The fears that keep us from the courageous steps that God is drawing us to. He wants to take those things out of you. And you could say, is he really trying to build me up? Is he really trying to? Yes. And then I want you to pour it out. That strength, that virtue, all that he's done in you. I just want you to pour it out. He says, you'll be blessed if you'll go do this thing that I'm doing. Isn't it a beautiful picture? That he sent, that he gave them. You see, in the moment, the disciples, and that's kind of the way that the motif of John, the book of John is, the whole time people are like, oh, I don't get it, I don't get it. And we read it later, like, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it. In this moment, the disciples are baffled. And can you imagine at first, they're like, I don't really know what's going on. Okay, yeah, we should be servants, that makes sense. But then he's going to go to the cross and really serve them. And I think they probably looked back at that moment and they probably had one of those, oh, like I really get it now. I really get it. Like you see Jesus' own life 
in his own kind of maturation, in his own in his humanity, and, and it says that God put all power and authority uh, under uh, under him, and you know he he's in this place of of great stature, and he's in this place where he's going to give and just serve everyone, and the whole time the disciples are growing and transforming, and they're growing up, and that's the experience that Jesus wants us to have, and then he wants to turn it around and go, now this wasn't. Just so you could feel good about yourself. This wasn't just so that you can build a life for yourself. This wasn't just so that you could have a nice retirement. This wasn't. This was actually so that you could turn around and be just like me. Isn't that a beautiful thing? You know, Jesus is he's calling all of us to a place of sacrifice. And the thing is, is there's a grace for whatever he's called you to give of yourself. And if you were to say, well, what does he want me to give? I think the simplest answer is all. <laughs> for some of us, it really can scare us. I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know what that means. But see, here's the thing. If you look at the character of your father in heaven, you don't have to be afraid of what all means. Because the grace is there for it. It doesn't mean it's always easy. But there's grace there for it. The things that God calls you to, the grace is there for it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not encouraging or calling you to a life of striving. For a life of you just make up stuff to do and you just go and you just work harder than everybody else. You'll get so into works and legalism and to weird stuff so quick and you'll lose yourself and, 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 and that way. Don't do that. Yeah. But there is this there's this neat interaction that happens as we walk with Jesus. And he says, you know, I'm going to take care of you. I'd love for you to lay your life down for me. But I want you to know who you are. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a God's special possession. Now get this. Then it says that you may declare the praises of him who called you. Isn't that cool? You were all those things that you may declare the glory of him. It's really a beautiful thing. And I love this. It's like, again, this concept of Jesus said, hey, before I go, I want to share something with you. Isn't that a beautiful lesson? No teacher, no, no student is greater than the teacher. You can look at Jesus and go, well, that means I can be pretty great because my teacher is pretty amazing. He's actually saying the opposite. No, if I can serve, you can serve. If anyone gets a pass, it's Jesus right before he goes to the cross. But no... He gets up and he goes and he washes these disciples' grimy feet. That's impressive. That's impressive. So, these two revelations that I'm talking about today. Your identity in Christ and your call to serve. Which one is it that God is speaking to you today? For some of you, it may be both. But some of you, it may be, I've got to remember who he's made me. I need to grow into it. I need to own it. I need to walk in it. And for some of us, it's the, I need to remember that my life is not for me. That I've been made to serve a great God and to serve those that he's called me to. And that it's a privilege to do that. It's not servitude. It's service to the king. 
and he's worthy of it. Wherever you are today, I just want to encourage you. Just allow that revelation to go deeper in your life. It's like Jesus saying, hey, before I go, this is what I want you to remember. I want to invite the worship team to come up. Would you stand with me this morning?